So what have you been up to? Um, well, the obvious thing is that we released Monument Valley. What's that? Or made and released Monument Valley. It's a video game for mobile phones. Huh. Um, well, Monument Valley 2. Um, yeah. Which came out 5th of June, I think it was. So we were working on that for like a year and a half, I think. Mm. And um, weren't telling anyone about it until mm. the moment it launched. Is that true? Is yeah. that right? No, 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 no. No one knew about it. So it's a complete surprise. Yeah, it was... Um, we didn't even know how it was going to get announced because we kind of we'd sent all, uh, Apple all the marketing mm. material and stuff like that, and we went to go and watch the WWDC show, and we were like, we think they might be interested in showing something, and so we were sitting in the audience being like, are we about to announce our game or not? And then oh, really? as soon as you see the picture that they put up, you're like, <gasps> and like get out your phone and get on Twitter and start doing all the things that you do. When so you so you were there in San Jose, San Jose this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, was that? Was, it was surreal. We. Um, I didn't talk to anybody because I was far too nervous, but there was um, Johnny Ives and, uh, what's her name, Angela, thingy thing. Arons. Didn't Arons Johnny Ives there. come into the, us to the, like, recently? No, um, Tim Cook. Tim the, Cook, yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. CEO. Oh, of which course, was yeah, yeah. weird, man. Because like, <laughs> they, they came around and did a whole full uh, security spec, and uh, he came around, and uh, he kind of came... At a moment that I wasn't expecting, because they're like, "Okay, he'll be here in ten minutes," and then two minutes later, he was there, and we just turned around. And was like, "Hey, I'm Tim Cook," and I'm like, "Of course, I know that you're Tim Cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, who the hell else could you be?" Um, yeah, man, that was super weird. How comes they were visiting the studio? Tim was just doing kind of a European tour of people Tim. doing Tim yeah. me first name basis. Yeah, Tim, yeah. Uh, Tim T, was just doing big a, T. Yeah, big big TC. Uh, was just doing a tour, yeah, European tour of just kind of people doing interesting stuff with okay. uh, with their products. Uh, I suppose it's like Monument Value, such a success. They, yeah, they, they knew yeah. it. They they knew it was going on since the second we started. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, they liked the first version, and so we were kind of just drip feeding them whatever we were doing the whole way. So. Oh, that is insane, isn't it? It is. It was. It was super weird. I was really pleased. Slightly it, better than a staff pick having ooh. Tim Cook. So I like the staff pick. I mean, and when it came out, we got all of the kind of the featuring and all the all the stuff. Man, it was it was it was bizarre. So, you know, there's there's like life goal after life goal being ticked mm. off. Like I'm a. Sadly, I've been watching those WWDCs since I was like 15 yeah. online, like every year, and it's it's so just weird. A, yeah, 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 I know. And so then you go up and you're like, oh, there's the the thing I did. Yeah, well, I was on my Mac like two yeah. days ago. That's yeah. crazy. It's so weird. Yeah. How's it gone down since it's been released? Like weirdly good, really. Yeah, yeah better yeah. than no. the first game. Uh, not better. I mean, you, you, you'd, you'd, it's kind of impossible to do better. But the the comments people are saying is it's still too short, it's still too easy. But the kind of the art has got better, and the storytelling has got better, and those are two things which, you know, I'm was not expecting. I guess I, I guess probably most people listening to this have played Monument Valley. I don't know, maybe not, but uh, but it's, it's like a very successful game, and it's. I mean, how would you describe it? It's a um, okay. So it's uh, it's a kind of adventure. The Monument Valley Two, anyway, is a, an adventure about a mother and a daughter, and it's set in this world where everything's shot from this isometric angle, which lets you do a lot of impossibility, a lot like M.T. Escher's work, um, and that's kind of the, the core of it. It's it's. It's interesting. In my, in my head, I've separated out the kind of the world and the mechanics, which are 
impossibility and all these metaphors that you can use to then tell the story of a mother and child. So they're two kind of separate things and they kind of they overlap each other as they go. But that's the mm. core of it. It's, it's a story about a mother and a child and their kind of how their relationship changes in this world where you can kind of move in impossible ways. You can walk up walls, mm. you can uh, defy gravity, you can walk into the distance and things like that. Mm. And, you, and you're controlling the character, but you're also controlling the environment when yes. you're playing it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a cliche to say, but it's totally true in this case that it's you know the environment is a character because right. most of the interactions you have with the world are the environment you know the characters move around the environment but they're in a way they're like the playhead where you can kind of go okay i've taken the character to the next point in mm. the story and then you change the world to allow them to move forwards mm. so um the game is mainly interacting with the world and all the kind of weird mechanics that come out of that right so, like the big impossibility that you can do is that you know, if you stand at the right angle, that it looks like someone can step onto something, even though technically in space they're not connected. If it looks like they can walk over it, they can walk over it. Mm. So, um, funnily, it was kind of somewhere at the beginning of development of Monument Valley 1, the kind of impossibility turned up as this issue where immediately the isometric angle was more a kind of an arts aesthetic. Mm. And uh, it became really difficult not to just make things look like they were connected. And then I think that was one of those penny drop moments where someone says, why don't they just connect? Mm. And then you go, all the stuff comes out of that. But it's, it wasn't completely the inception of the game, but it was definitely one of those things that made it seem much more exciting. So, th- so breaking the world was something that came about during the development of... Yeah, 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 yeah. it, was, it was a kind of serendipity in the way that serendipity is totally planned for in right, right. the first Ventures. one's ken wong right ken wong yeah which Has you he... interviewed yeah i remember yeah. before i got the job at us two i listened to that podcast because i was uh, like right. oh i should yeah. know about this guy before i go <laughs> yeah, and, yeah go and start working there so yeah he has he played that have you heard any feedback from the second yeah game? he um because now we've at the end of each level there's this kind of mechanic where you have to draw a picture um we call them mandalas and he well, like his first tweet out was like oh you know that feeling when you wish you'd invented something mm. and i was like oh that's actually kind of the nicest compliment oh, right. i mean mm. uh he did kind of you know there's a lot of people's kind of uh work went into that game but it wouldn't have been possible without him yeah it wouldn't have been possible without a lot of other people but mm. he kind of he was totally instrumental in it so it was nice to to, to hear that and so, you know, throughout the whole development, we'd been making a sequel and uh, without him around and thinking, trying to put the kind of question of, I wonder what he would think yeah, out of yeah, our yeah. minds, because you don't want to think about that. Yeah. Um, but it was nice when you get the moment to finally sit down and go, okay, well, I guess the game's out now. And then that you see that and you go, oh, that's awesome. Who came up with the Mandala thing? Because it is really... <laughs> that's, okay, so that was one of those moments we were standing... In the corner of the room, I can still see it. We were um, delivering a demo build um, that we've work, been working on for a while. And um, we were thinking, okay, we need to end these end the levels. Um, and because of the kind of the narrative in this one, it doesn't really make sense to have that the same unveiling, unveiling an artifact that was in the first one. And we were thinking what would be a kind of a satisfying way to end it. And, you know, there was three or four days until we had to deliver this demo. And someone said, oh... And that was if, just an internal thing. This is an internal thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, so we were um, 
we were thinking, okay, well, we, we like the idea that instead of uh, returning um, the artifacts, like in the first one, you're creating them somehow. And then that came out of that, the three or four of us were just talking about, what if you, what if it was a thing where you see them create something? It's like, what if you drew mm. it? And it's like, what if you drew it? And it kind of mirrored it like this. Mm. And then it kind of, so no one, no one person can claim that idea, mm. but it was kind of, it was me, it was David, the art director. Uh, it was, I think Max might have been there as mm. well. And mm a couple of others but it was that was one of those nice moments where you go yeah teamwork high five mm, mm. Um, and so the and then you, but you also go yeah teamwork shit we've got loads of work to do now because mm. we, want, we want to put it in the game yeah if, but if, you, if everyone's I find when like someone has an idea like that and everyone gets excited about it then yeah everyone's happy to stay late yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Cause it's just an exciting thing to do yeah definitely but that's you know that was definitely a problem we had throughout was that we kept thinking about the best things at the last minute mm. um mm. But, but the best things always get thought of at the yeah. last minute. And they're the things that take like hundreds of the time of, of making things. It's just kind of... You know. How long was it, the whole production? So uh, we started in July, no, January of whatever, it was a year and a half ago, where are we now, 2017? January 2016, we kind of, we said, okay, um, uh, we're going we're gonna to go for this. So... I know, right? <laughs> is that had we uh, like we tried to do a podcast with John previously, and we did it, and we all got shit faced and ran too long, and then got kicked out of the room we were doing it in. So we're like restarting now. But was it? Had you started Monument Valley then? I think I just started it, <laughs> and I was trying to find ways of not talking about it, which is right, way yeah. better this way around because I yeah, 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 yeah. I've been spending the last year and a half not talking to people about what I've been doing, which is right, right. such a horrible thing to do. Yeah, 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 doesn't feel good, and especially when it means you can only talk to the people who are either closest to you or who absolutely don't care about it. Yeah, in yeah. the middle, there's all of your peers and your colleagues. So, like taxi like drivers that. know all about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Taxi too. drivers, you know, they say, "Oh, what do you do?" And you go, "Oh." I work in video games, and they say, mm. oh, I hate video games. And I go, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm working, I'm working on a game, too. which is cool. Well, no, there was, there was, there was one guy who I, I got in a cab with, and he was like, oh, so what do you do? And I was like, I work in video games. And he was like, oh, okay, cool, and kind of bit his tongue for a bit. And then I told him a bit of what he was doing. He's like, yeah, I can't stand video games. I hate them. I, I hate what it's doing to my son's life. And I kind of had to, had to, I kind of chose to engage and be like, well, you know, they can be more than that. They can be something else. And, you know, those things are okay as well if you kind of consume them the right way. Blah, 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 mm. blah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's a very good point, very good point. Mm. But I hate video games. Do you know what? I was talking to my friend yesterday about it. He's, he's sort of trying to limit his son from playing too many games and watching TV and stuff. And he's like, you know, there's too much of this stuff now for kids and it's a struggle. And like, he was almost talking a bit negatively about all this content. And I was, and, but we sort of was talking, we sort of come to the conclusion that it's like, it's just harder for parents now to like, it's so easy to just chuck an iPad at them and yeah, send yeah, them yeah. to their room or like, you know what I mean? You well, just got, all, you've got up also, your parenting game now. The thing that I'm becoming more and more and more aware of is that, you know, I only started using Instagram a few months ago. But it's totally gamified, all of it. Like the, the the mechanics and the the kind of the instant satisfaction you get from pressing buttons and stuff. When you abstract a lot of games down to what you're doing, it's kind of you know they're like clicker games where you're just clicking to make numbers go up. And I think it's it's difficult to kind of choose the point at which you go. Well, this is this is a game, so it's bad, and this is just an app, so it's okay. it's so true. You know, I've never thought about social media in that kind of way, but as soon as you put a thing up, you just you want to see likes, mm. you want to see comments. Like, mm. yeah, exactly. yeah, so true. It's yeah. about satisfaction and kind of 
um, interacting with something that gives you yeah. feedback that makes you feel better in yeah, yeah, yeah. some kind of way at, at the most it, basic level. How much did you guys think about that when you were? I mean, how much did oh, you? Tons. I, I yeah, mean, when you were when you were when you were making the game, was there like interim points where you had to present it to the team, and you had to be like, "This is good because." You know, research no, shows we, we, that we just played it a lot along the way. There was it was it's pretty organic, but I, I, I would say that one thing I was really keen, keen on and generally just appreciating people that I'm working with is just being literate about what the kind of medium is. So you know, coming from animation and then going into games, I kind of see things through a very even though I don't consider myself like a, a writer particularly, I do see things as kind of you're giving out information and you're telling a story. Mm. And the, the kind of the moments that you're creating are less about mechanics and more about making sure that the kind of the pacing is correct. Yeah. And the, the moments you're giving to people the are coming at the right moment. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, in, in a way, and I think Monument Valley is very, like a very strong example of this, um, the, the game element of it is actually very light, yeah. But it, and, it, and it's it's a you know, it's quite far down the spectrum of an interactive film. Mm. Um, right. Okay. Is that the way you got approached it? I made this document really near to the beginning of the the game where I was saying that kind of each moment or whatever you want to call it, or each screen in the level or, or the game, wants to have one of a few things: either some sort of storytelling moment or some sort of puzzle that you have to solve or some sort of um kind of art payoff where you get a sunset or some uh, mm. you know w- one of these things that kind of the pillars of what the game is um or, or kind of a moment of impossibility or something and you know some of the some of those things are totally narrative and some of those things are totally gameplay mm. but as long as those things are being kind of fed uh, in the correct order and the correct pacing then that's what I was kind of keen on. And how much so. did you stick to that document? Because I, um, I think people always write documents when they start a company or whether... It, they... it, was, it was less that we stuck to the document and more that... Trying to get people to kind of, you know, read a document and then care about it is pretty pointless. But um, making it was as much for me just working out what I think those those pillars are of a game. And then afterwards, when people are kind of talking about it, or I'm trying to justify my reason for thinking one way about something, I can go, well, you know, this doesn't really kind of tick any of these boxes, or it ticks too many of these boxes, or it's trying to do three of these things, let's split them out into three screens, or yeah. um, or, or whatever it is. Um, uh, it felt like there was more consideration in Monument Valley 2 on, uh, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but on kind of character relationships and stories. I suppose that they're... You know, by by definition, there's. I don't know if this is a spoiler. There's more than one character. Oh, I've already said that. Okay, right. So it's a story about a mother and a daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's uh, and that and that already makes it feel deeper. It was really funny. There's a podcast I always listen to called Script Notes. Mm-hmm. It's about writing. Um, and I'll remind uh, me of that afterwards. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm in need. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they uh, at the end of every episode they do a thing where they're like, you know what what their favorite thing was of the week or whatever completely unrelated to their podcast 
uh, and they just like went off for about a minute or two about Monument Valley 2 and how really? Oh, really? the animation was so great well, and like more reason about, about <laughs> how the storytelling was so great mm. um, wow. I was just on the tube and I was like yes <laughs> I know that guy I know that fucking guy it's funny, it's so good. It? because like WWDC for me was this massive thing yeah. but at the same time um, it's when you stumble over those things that you've done and people mention them that you, mm. they're, they're super meaningful yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean yeah somebody that you respect or yeah. whatever yeah it's lovely when you hear that yeah. like speaking we, of which I saw your comic oh, on Instagram what? today oh yeah, yeah dude you need to do more of them yeah I haven't seen it what did a comic <laughs> do you know crazy. what I put on Instagram stories yesterday like oh my comic's dropping my first comic's yeah, dropping I I tomorrow that. I was like oh, I'm but like, then I got loads of messages from people going congratulations where can I buy it and I was like oh no I'm just putting it on Instagram <laughs> yeah. this is a stupid nine panel strip <laughs> basically the same drawing nine times <laughs> uh, but yeah it's amazing when you like we were at Annecy recently and we were talking to someone and they were like saying that uh, there was a producer who's worked with like Yuasa and he was like oh yeah he's seeing your stuff and he really likes it and we were like what? <laughs> like it feels incredible or like when we interviewed Do Dot The Wit and he was like oh yeah I love your guy's stuff and like bro like when I was studying, I used to cry over your work. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was so good. <laughs> I should listen to to that podcast because <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, I'm sure I can hear it in your voices. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's so good, man. But I know it's 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 cool. It's um, I've been getting really into uh, refreshing your Twitter feed. Refreshing my Twitter feed. Yeah, yeah. No, I kind of I don't know. For for me, doing Morning Valley Two was I, I don't know. I feel like I learned a, a ton about what I feel about storytelling and things. And I, mm. it was really, it's really related to putting a comic out on Instagram and, and related to the medium that you're making something for. Yeah. I, I read a thing, um, Gillian Tamaki put out a tweet recently where I can't remember what it, it was about exactly, but she was basically expressing kind of wonder at the fact that, cause she's a comic book artist mainly or graphic novel artist. And, she was saying, oh, I don't even have to draw the pictures. I can just write the words. That's awesome. Mm. And, and it's been making me, I, I really like the idea of some sort of medium where, like, you know, uh, Instagram stories or um, Snapchat stories, you're mm. just clicking through some pages of text, some pages of images, some of video and stuff. Yeah. It's like when I opened Keynote a while ago on Mac, I was like, this is the best storytelling medium I've ever seen. Because yeah, you, yeah. you can just kind of throw so, so quick. quickly, just yeah. throw like... Uh, you know, images, video, graphics together. I, I was just literally just watching a film as research for a project of, um, it's like the first, well, they claim it to be the first Snapchat feature film. And it's like, a, mm. it's basically like a Blair Witch style yeah. Instagram story thing of yeah. going to a haunted house. And it's like, it's really effective. I love it. I'm like, really it's, excited by it. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like them writing text over the thing. And it's like, uh, you know, back when like Blair Witch was done you still needed a camera you still probably needed yeah, a crew yeah. of people and stuff like that but just to have your phone yeah. there's no like you know they're, t- they're panning around constantly mm. there's no other crew there apart from the actors essentially I, I, I kind of for someone who is so obsessed with production values for so long and so obsessed with colouring every drawing I ever made and so obsessed with kind of making a f- game out of any stupid idea I had to have someone tell me you can just write some words and put pictures in where it makes sense and then have some more words and then an emoji i'm like you know that's incredible like that's that's just that's what i've been hiding from all these years is the actual storytelling and uh, i've been trying to hide behind technique all this time i I disagree with you on that you reckon yeah i've worked with you on a few projects and like 
I changed, man. Uh, <laughs> no, man. I, I think you've always been interested in storytelling. I've been uh, interested in it, but I've been distracted by the Chinese. I don't know, man. Like, you're, I mean, I think your grad film that I worked on was like, it, was be- it looked beautiful, but it very much had a lo-fi kind of like aesthetic to it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like highly rendered sort of like I, I feature film so. stuff. I guess so. And even, um, did you ever finish that one about the guy, it was just like a to website. The yeah, yeah, the window yeah. guy. No, I, I... That's a story. You know what I mean? And it, you couldn't yeah. get more basic than that. Like, yeah. Not not that it was but that, basic, that was, but like was it really wasn't interesting. Yeah. Like that one was. Um, Do you want to explain it? Sorry, because no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was know. making for a few months. It was an interesting example that one because I was I was making for probably the best part of a year actually this short film kind of thing. But it, what it really was was a website that you could check at any time of the day, and it would just grab the time of day off your PC and serve up a different video of um, of this character who uh, is just living in a house, shot through the window of their house, whatever they were up to at the time. So it was kind of this voyeuristic image of a person living in a house, and you could see whatever time of day it was. So it definitely wasn't a film in that sense. But that's it was a, kind of interactive-ish, but, but it, was, uh, and it was partly kind of... There was a big part of it, which was me kind of like testing out my rendering chops because there mm. was some technology I was writing and stuff, and I was playing with coding, I was playing with web stuff, and and... I'm sad I never finished it, but the, the biggest problem is the fact that all the scenes are broken and don't open anymore. Oh, and I'd really? love to finish it because I think I could now. Um, but you I, should, man. I, I think I, people would dig it so massively. And, and in a sense, like, I, I kind of see like voyeurism as like the most stripped down version of a story. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it is, you know, like. And, the, and there's a lot of that, like, tied into social networks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Kind of totally. I think um, so. I, I think so. And I. I it, it, I think that that's one of the things I really like about social stuff is that it strips away the, you know, with a, with a movie which is an hour and a half, you better have a reason to make me watch it. Mm. Whereas, you, you know, if you've got 10 seconds of my time, you don't need a reason to make me watch that. Yeah. And you can just rely on the kind of base instinct, which is I like kind of, I like watching the warmth of human beings mm. doing things. Mm. And uh, that's something that, uh, I, I you know, I think that's something I was kind of, exploring with that idea yeah and it's something that now i'm really excited by mm. and it's really excited by in games on mobile as well because mm. i think um i think we're still trying to make things that are games and there is such a weird kind of big spectrum of what what games do you mean are. by that well i think i think you know um you know if games have only been around 30 40 years maybe um video games video games sorry yeah um we've already built up kind of the strict rules about what they are and i think that mobile like i love some of the weird things like i was playing um <clears throat> oh there's a, uh, an amazing game called space plan on mobile which is it's a clicker do you know about clickers no. so um a while ago there was this game called cookie clicker which um you every time you tap the screen it made a cookie and every time, uh, you, when you got 10, ten cookies, you could use those cookies to buy a, the thing to make more cookies every time you tapped it. And all you did was keep tapping until you could get a thing which made you tap and get more things. And that was kind of all it did. And it kind of stripped out all of, you know, it's kind of what, you know, the fighting system in Final Fantasy was. It right. Was, um, you know, what a lot of games are, which is you put in energy and you get out a multiplier, you get our number, you get to see things progress. 
um, and this game Space Team, or Space Plan, well, Space Team is also an awesome game, but Space Plan, sorry, um, is this game where you kind of, you've got a, a log on kind of the left-hand side, and in the middle of the screen you just click, and you're a spaceship orbiting a planet, and in the left-hand side you've just got a thing telling you a story, and as you're clicking, it's telling you what's happening. It's like, awesome, you've earned enough things to, to buy this thing. But the writing on the left-hand side has this really awesome point of view the the voice that it's being told with is fantastic and then after a while you get to upgrade the solar panels on your spaceship but the so the spaceship is a pixel and the thing you're clicking is a button in the middle and then you're just getting told a story on the side and it's just like in the same way that on instagram you click through stories it's the same yeah. thing but there's something meaningful about the in the same way that a, a rat that's like hooked up to some sort yeah. of like <laughs> or, or the same way that remember when bitcoins were new and you yeah. had to mine them yeah and then all they were doing was equating energy put in to value even if that energy at the end doesn't really equate to the value of the bitcoin you're mining it was still equating one thing to another in this all you're doing is equating your energy you're putting in to hearing a story go and it just gets you invested physically Mm. because you're tapping the. you know who told me about bitcoins first was max vandermover when i was making your (laughs) when we were making your grad film and he was like oh this fucking thing bitcoin let's not talk about wishing that we should yeah and he and the value of them and i just laughed my head off i was like fucking that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my entire life if i would have spent a tenner yeah i know right <laughs> if it, like those they someone talks about the first bitcoin transaction which was someone buying a pizza with a bitcoin and mm. that pizza now would be worth like billions <laughs> really it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's something <laughs> absurd because the, the money they spent on it was but um yeah it's really interesting hearing you talk about all that all that stuff because you from my point of view talking about it a lot more in terms of game design than storytelling um i think one of the most sort of noticeable things about uh monument valley 2 is is storytelling for me at least as a i suppose i'm sort of way more into film than games personally do you consider you are you like a gamer are you oh my god no no you're not a gamer (laughs) not well do you have any you own any consoles yeah i've got a ps4 um, and I've, I've owned... Why, why, why are you so, like, adamant that you're not a gamer? Because it's a culture thing. You need like, to have those headphones with the mouthpiece that are wireless, right? Well, it's like, I, like, I know tons of people who, who would be, like, would call themselves gamers. And there's just... The way I can consume games, even the way I consume films and stuff, when I was in animation, I didn't watch as many films as all my friends did. I've always been much more interested in kind of deconstructing something and building something than consuming mm. it right and there's the whole culture of consuming and living in the kind of the culture of the games and the things mm. you you uh you love like like it, this is this is one of the, the great things about games now i think is that the people think of games and they go okay guy in living with a parent in bedroom blah, 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 blah. but like more people play games on the tube them and play candy crush and like i don't play candy crush my mum does and tons of people do and it is a fantastic game they but do. i guess maybe people who play angry birds or Kangaroo, candy crush don't call themselves gamers yes exactly with that. exactly but that's so it's like the, the term game uh, has kind of been disassociated with what games are now in a way and right. it's become like a, this this weird culture so um, like a gamer is like a your professional like you wouldn't call someone who has a kick around in the park. A no, not even a that. It's, 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 the, it's the people that invest and kind of uh, kind of root their lives in the kind of the culture of of games. You know, it's in, in the way that, you know, you, you get film buffs, but everyone watches films and everyone watches TV. Right, okay. But you wouldn't call yourself a film buff if you watched a few films. 
right or watch a lot of films even if you you know so it's it's i think it's just due to more to do with the kind of the culture that you associate yourself right okay i understand and I, I i was thinking about this earlier on that i um i have to kind of try fairly hard not to feel guilty about um being as lucky as i am with what i'm doing because i'm way more interested in making games than playing them you know yeah. I, I, I buy tons of them but the, the amount that I finish is very few mm. um, because I'd rather just be kind of toying with ideas of what yeah. new things could be um, and most of them are useless but <laughs> I'd rather be doing it anyway um, speaking of which like you had a very like successful game two years ago a year ago must have been two and a half two, two and a half um, it's, it was September 2015, right? So I think, yeah. So so yeah. So we're talking about Trickshot, um, yeah. which was um, my first game that I'd made. Um, it was a blinder, wasn't it? It was incredible. No, uh, it was um, no. I it was funny because I'd, I'd got a job working with us two games a few months beforehand in kind of June ish mm. uh, of the year before, and I'd been a freelance freelancer working in animation and visual effects and directing for a while and I was kind of enjoying it but then this kind of opportunity came with us two games and when I got there there it was this weird feeling because I was kind of like stepping down a few rungs on the ladder and I was just a 3D modeling guy mm. um, but at the same time I also on Monument totally, Valley no it was on, on Land's End it was a VR uh, title yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I came into work Samsung Gear thing the Gear VR thing mm. yeah um, and uh, so I was working on that and uh, and I was seeing a lot of things happening around me, a lot of decisions being made, a lot of conversations, which I felt like I had an opinion on, but I also didn't, I had no, nothing to back me up. Mm. I'd never worked in games. I kind of didn't play that many games at the time. And so uh, once I kind of uh, got a full-time contract at us two games, because I was like, okay, I, I see some potential in mm. kind of like, I'd like to shift into doing this. I thought, okay, I've got to try and make something. And there was also, you know, it coincided with a moment in my life where I realized that getting things done was just about doing it mm. rather than some magic that yeah, some yeah. people have. It was more about just diligence. So I just said, okay, I'm going to start making a game. And so on my commute to work, which was 25 minutes on the tube, I started writing a game. So I'd get my laptop out, I'd be that guy on the tube who would be sitting there <laughs> with his MacBook, hoping no one tries to nick my MacBook, my MacBook on the tube. And I was just writing this game. And I kind of came up with a few ideas. And they were all, it was, one, one, was Trickshot, it was Hardball, and there was something else. They were just all ideas where the, 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 the concept was, what's the simplest game I can make, which I can make, test, release, and then support while sitting on a tube while sitting on a tube yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, but, it, but the idea was is that what's the simplest thing I can do which will get something released because was, there was all these conversations happening at work which were not only how do you make a game what is artistically the kind of idea here but you know it's post release how do I you know how do we kind of deal with people complaining about the product how do we mm. deal with the fact that the product has this many thing options in it and it's too many for people and it's confusing people so I wanted to get a whole, the whole, an idea of the whole process so I made that over, I think it was about 10 months. Mm. Um, and then it was just kind of evening work. There was a few months where I wasn't doing anything on it. But um, yeah, it was 10 months of evening work. And then released that in September. And it got Editor's Choice and it got a few things. Editor's yeah, Choice on Apple? Yeah, on the App Store, on the Apple App Store. And um, it shipped, I think, almost 300,000 copies now. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 
Is it still doing well? I mean, it's doing well for for that kind of thing. It's it's still you know I still get fifty downloads a day. Really, uh, yeah, yeah. and explain just briefly like what the game. So is. The, the game is, um, it's well. So the game is there's there's a box and there's a little launch area and you can you can fire a ball from anywhere inside this area and get it into this box and that's it. And then along the way, there's a bunch more obstacles. There's portals. There's mm. kind of other things. But it's it's kind of a physics sandbox. Uh, well, not sandbox. It's a physics game where mm. you have to just kind of it's it's. When I was making it on the tube, I was like, I need a very defined goal. So, you know, a literal goal. Is yeah. Put in yeah. There so you could win or lose or, or whatever it was. It's so um, addictive. It's Honestly, really I remember like sitting on a bus, like saying when like all the, when all the hype was going, or not hype, but like when it was like going bananas and getting loads of downloads and being like, my friends just made this game and like showing it to a bunch of people on this bus and like not <laughs> random people on the bus, yeah, but like my friends on a bus. And they were like, oh, let me have a go, and then playing it. And then just all of them sitting down yeah. and downloading it. Hmm. Uh, and how much did you charge for a download? Uh, I charge one... Well, so on Apple, you can charge tiers. Mm. So there's tier one and tier two. Tier one used to be 79p, and tier two used to be 150, I think it's 199 now, okay. um, for tier two. Did you um, up the price? Oh, no, no, but what, what I did was um, I made it 199 which is tier 2 because then it gives you the opportunity to discount it if you're 79p there's no lower price than that so you can't discount right, it right, right, right. so I made it the lowest price I could do which would give me the opportunity of doing a sale right, right, right. later on so I mean and that was all part of the kind of the, the plan which was to learn how to make a game that you sell yeah make a game that you just kind of and drop into the sea do you know what thing. and that goes to like like basically like you were saying oh you know I was all about making things shiny and stuff like that but that is the most stripped back sort of even visually I mean I love yeah. the way it looks like you, you took very sort of basic elements mm. and made it feel like very premium and also the sound design and it's beautiful but it's not shiny you know like it's not mm. you know like Candy Crush like shiny kind of like I mean uh, yeah I think I, I would say that the past like two and a half years which kind of starts with I can kind of credit it to us two pretty much right it, is that process of removing that kind of like obsession with shiny things. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's due to a lot of things, but I think it's in a big way due to you're releasing products that people touch. And if they don't like it, they just don't, mm. they, they delete it off their phone or they don't buy it. And so you kind of can't hide from what people actually care about. Yeah. Like I can spend all the time I like making, making it look shiny as hell. But if people don't kind of get on with the core mechanic, then there's, I've you know lost already. Point. And where did the idea for the core mechanic come from? Because you kind of like pull back, and it's like a you almost did, like let it go like an elastic band, and then yeah. It goes so into the, the, the mechanic came from the the first thought was I need a discrete goal. I so, saw and it's like okay, a literal goal. And for a while, I was thinking about kind of those chain reaction films. Um, uh, they're all over YouTube. I forget the Jap- the name of the Japanese ones. We should link to one of them. But there's um. They're they're amazing. They're these kind of chain reactions, you know, dominoes, balls. And oh yeah, like yeah. Oh, awesome. um, yeah, yeah. They're they're amazing. There's a new one that's come out recently where um, it's uh, about a story about three balls and they go on a journey. It's insane. What it's, the, the the what? There's a name for them, right? And Rube like, Goldberg machines. Yeah, Rube, the, well, the Rube Goldberg machines. There's a few different names that different countries call them and stuff. So the Japanese ones were the specific ones I was referencing, um, and you know, not being my language, I'm not 
able to kind of recite it. And it's a live thing they're filming, and it tells a story. Yeah, oh man, it's it's the best thing you've ever seen. I, it was it's probably the most inspiring thing that I've seen all all year. Fuck, I'm right. link to it after links um, links in the bio. But, um, yeah, so I was I started out with the idea of I'm going to make this amazing Rube Goldberg machine um, kind of thing where you fire a ball and does lots of things. But what I realised with that was that kind of so this, the, the story of how the kind of mechanic evolved was I need a goal okay Rube Goldberg machine that's awesome I can get there with that but then I realized a while later that once you fired the ball unless you have other inputs you're just watching an animation happen and you've mm. lost at the second you fired the ball yeah um, or you've won and uh, so I kind of removed that and made it more about just more like you know, if you're a kid at school, you're just throwing stuff into the bin and mm. seeing how far away you can do it or whether you can bounce it off, whatever. And so it's, it's more about that. And then the problem arose where what I realized that me as a game maker, I was starting the shot from an awkward position and mm. saying, okay, here is my abstract line. Um, I have to get it in from here. Whereas in the game, you could just, you could put the ball above the yeah, yeah. And just fall in so I had to kind of restrict where people's movement was and I think that was the most interesting and this most individual part of the game which is how you restrict how people throw the ball so by make by changing the shape of the area that you can throw the ball from yeah you're restricting whether you can throw the ball very high vertically or very kind of horizontally or anything like that and um I, I liked even just the yeah. like once you've clocked it then there's the, the try and get in without touching anything mm. and then if once you've done that then you've got to like yeah. hit these two other points because well, that that's a thing when you're you know a kid playing basketball like I was useless at basketball but you know sometimes luck by total fluke you could get it in a switch shot yeah. and it would be awesome and it's just like I feel like those are the things it's totally programmed into you you just yeah. appreciate that when you once you've done something you want to do it in a harder way or yeah whatever. exactly do you know what that was the first I, I managed to do it where like on the pink level yeah that's the first game I clocked since Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know what? I've actually never done it. I've done a complete trick shot. <laughs> um, <laughs> How many I, levels are there? 100. There's 100 levels and you can complete them in three different ways. Each yeah. Um, and I've never completed it because I... Uh, I would kind of I cheat the way through because I do myself development build so I just skip to the end and do one at a time so the ending thing I've only seen because I've clicked on the button which is show me the ending because <laughs> I have a bunch of debug yeah. things that I put in there which I do with these things because I can't be able to play it through I've done every level but never installed the game and played it to the end really? Yeah. it's not on your phone? it's on my phone okay right you had a really cool thing on the game where you you were able to like screen you could screen share a video of you completing a level and Mm -hmm. then put that up on social media yeah so this was um yeah it's funny i've forgotten about that (laughs) um you can uh, if you if you once you complete the shot it gives you the option to share it and you can share the video of it and it was this thing called every play that was built into unity at the time and it gives you this fairly shonky looking but quite satisfying video of you doing the shot you've just done i think like i got 15,000 like shared videos yeah because sometimes because with trick shot some of the levels are so hard you think it's impossible it's impossible and then what's also cool is the people who game it as well there there are some levels where you can complete it in the the most simple and hilarious way and people do it and it's like you know I'm going to leave it there because you know in the way that we're talking about storytelling in games like half of it is that we're telling you to complete it this way and you can do it like this and no one one notices but But you know what there's a there's a there's a difficulty level where you have to get two pink dots mm. so your ball has to go through a particular yeah, yeah. arc in order and, and yeah, yeah. get in before you can clock it 
how do you work out where those things are and you and you get in? It's try and error, man. Really? Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. tested all those things. I, there wasn't yeah, like a yeah, thing yeah. in the system which said hit this and this and you get in. I've, you, you know, when you finish a game, you go oh, all the things I could have done, and one of the things I could have done is automated all that stuff and. Like, <laughs> Because what it what it <laughs> what it meant was that I would I would try a level I'd go ah shit that's impossible okay I'll try it keep trying it and then I'd move move a move an object move a, move one of the platforms and move one of those kind of goals you have to move through. Is and that literally how you did it? Everything yeah. you had to clock it first before you yeah. you put yeah, it. In. Yeah, yeah, it's like you've Fuck seen Mario hell. Maker on Wii U where no. you can share levels that you've made, but you can only share them once you finish it. So you finish it, and then it goes, cool, would you like to share this? And it's like, that's the best, that's a brilliant kind of, in terms of mechanically how you implement a sharing feature, which will only work for half-decent levels, yeah. is you get rid of 99% of the dross by just saying you've got to complete it before you mm, do it. So, right. um, you know, because... Uh, and that's I, all hosted by them, isn't it? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. which is a huge overhead. Mm. Um, that's cool. Is yeah. there any plans to do a follow-up to Trickshot? I see nothing. You say nothing. <laughs> yeah, no. I um, mate. By the time this comes out, it would have probably already been out. Yeah, no, I am. Um, I have some ideas. I'm, I'm toying with it. You love a sequel. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, I am. Um, I've got. Um, I've got some ideas um, for that game or another game. For that, for that game um, and some other games, I'm kind of just playing with stuff in my evenings because I, I find that when I'm working especially when things are stressful, my evening productivity goes way up. Yeah. And so at the moment, my evening productivity is kind of opening the odd project and going, like, yeah. oh, maybe I can try some new things. So, so you get home from a stressful day, say, yeah. working on Monument Valley 2, and you've got, like, what? Do you, did you always get out on time when you were no. working? Okay. Well, it, you know, us two is great. That it, It's very, very down to you whether you want mm. to stay, and it's not you're not penalised or anything mm. for, for not being one of the guys who stays late. Um but for me, if I have a great day, then I go, cool, I want to see my friends. If I have a bad day, I go home and I want to prove to myself that I'm still a valid person <laughs> in the industry <laughs> and start working on making something and kind right. of proving to myself that I'm not a rubbish game maker. Jesus. Right. And that's, that's my weird... Um, yeah. Bad for you, good for all of us. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So you'd go back, when you were working on Monument Valley 2, you'd go back and tinker with with unity kind of, or with, with unity yeah, yeah. yeah um with unity or i'd do some drawing or i'd kind of play with some new mechanics that i've been thinking mm. about or there's like a, a bunch of things i've got fairly militant now with mm. kind of the way with 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 making money valley i kind of started making a lot of lists mm. and now i do the same thing with kind of home stuff where i make a bunch of lists i prioritize those lists and mm. i go okay i've got some time i've got half an hour and I feel like I've got this energy that I need to expend oh on making God, You're something. making me feel like such a piece of shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> but it's, it's just like, it's therapy. It, like total yeah. therapy because, I don't know. There's just something like, I, I, I talk a lot about this, like coming back to the kind of storytelling thing, mm. you know, that's something I was always interested in, but I didn't, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't play games where I make up stories. I played mm. games where I started businesses and I played right. games where I was like, what do you mean? Like theme park and stuff? No, like, like as in like play games with friends, it'd be like, oh, okay. let's, let's play owns business. <laughs> <laughs> 
like I remember starting when I was a kid I was like uh, playing a game with a friend where I was like oh what can our chemical company be called (laughs) and like making believe about owning a business and so like that's where my brain goes when it's like okay I've got some spare you're like buying your mate's company and like fucking splitting it up and selling it off but it's but that's that's why I've always had this weird chip on my shoulder about storytelling and things like that is that I don't feel like that ever came naturally because I didn't make up stories about my action man I was like I really want to make a thing. I want to mm. build a thing. I want to do something. So what, when you were playing with toys and stuff, it was all just like pure, like corporate I got an action. I remember stuff. for years I begged my mum for an action man. And, and she's she like, you're like, only going to start a company with him. Well, she was, she was like, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to have fun with this. And I was like, no, I will. I'll be a like- silent pup. <laughs> <laughs> I love your mum being like, no, you can't have it because you, you were naughty. It's like, no, no you're not, not going to get the best out of it. No, it's, you're it's not like an action she just, guy. She, she knew me better than I did. She knew that I wasn't going to have fun. And I was like, <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> but no, so I, I remember that eventually she was like, okay, okay, you're an action man. And she found the one that had the kind of the least amount of guns. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and I remember getting it and just being like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I'm supposed to go do adventures, I guess, but I don't know how you do that. I'd like, I was interested in like how it fires the harpoon. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, but I, I was interested in like the mechanisms and like how you would like make it action man. But mm. I just didn't, mm. I just didn't get it. Um, yeah, I get that. And it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's something that, that to me sticks with me because I think that's definitely the way I am now that mm. I, I've i kind of found a place where I, there are stories that I would like to tell mm. but they're not from like a base instinct they're from a point where it's like this is the things I find interesting and things I'd like to immerse myself in Yeah, and then at the same time I also just love being busy and I like mm. kind of the, the process of making things yeah um, and so yeah so so you so you started out at the national film school yes and then you somehow got into games at some point yeah along the way like did you know about programming before you oh okay um so um when i was i think a lot of people in like our generation of commas got into kind of animation and filmmaking and stuff through flash yeah and so like there was flash there was action action script there was mm. all that kind of stuff which i kind of played with but absolutely didn't understand and i kind of i remember doing that playing with it and being like i don't understand this code stuff what in the action script in action script i was like i I can kind of mess around with it a bit but i don't understand it like the other people understand it Mm. and i bought books and all that kind of stuff and so i and this was just you as a kid this was just me as a kid Uh, i was i was was probably like from 15 to about 17 18 I was just like I would spend loads of time just messing around with Flash and Photoshop. How did where did that come from? My dad's a graphic designer. Oh so yeah, he had that's a kind right. Of yeah. a studio that just had a couple of Macs lying around. So mm. in the evenings, I would just sit there in the house because the house the studio was in the house. And um, but I kind of I just didn't get programming at the time. So I kind of said, okay, you know, even at that time, I was like, okay, I'm not one of those guys who understands programming. I can't mm. do this. Um, but kind of once every six months or a year, I would kind of go, oh, programming, maybe I can try that. And it just didn't work and it didn't work and it didn't work. And But I keep coming coming, coming back to it. Um, and it was at the film school that um, uh, I'd met some friends in France, um, one of the guys who used to work for Mental Images on Mental Ray. Mm. It was built into Maya at the time. 
and he uh, had been writing his own renderer um, and it was kind of a separate package to kind of all these other things there's no plugins or anything like that and I was like I was just talking to him on Skype and he was just um, I was just saying man I wish I could do that kind of thing like programming it's just like it's magic to me I wish I could do it but I keep trying it doesn't work and he was just he just said now nah, you can do it and I was like nah um, and he said, "Now you can do it. You're like, I'll, I'll kind of help you through it and stuff." And so I was using Maya. So I was a fairly technically minded, but still not a programmer uh, user of Maya. And he kind of just said, "Yeah, you can do it." And he said, "Yeah, you can do it." And also, then afterwards, for about six months, eight months, just fielded every question I threw at him really? about programming, and would respond and be a really nice guy. And this was Appleseed. So. Appleseed, yeah. yeah, Appleseed render, and. Um, is that still going? Yeah, that man, the, it's that amazing. Your... It's, it's doing. Re- it's kind of. It's really in the open source rendering world. It's doing really well. Okay. And this was your first programming project. Was a renderer. No, so he he wrote the renderer, and he was like, "Oh well, you know Maya. You could write an exporter, which would like send kind of Maya files." Yeah, to that's Apple right. Seed. I remember you. Yeah, and so I was, I was like, "Oh, that sounds like fun." Yeah. Um, I'll try it, and I and I kind of wrote it, and it was all in Python, and it was kind of, in retrospect, hideously awful, but. It kind of got me confident to the point where I was like, okay, I can make something. You out used of it. it on your film, right? I used no, I didn't use it on my grad film. Oh, okay. but I used it um, on like a bunch of work I did for the BBC. Like it, it was, it was insane. I would be doing these jobs for the BBC, which would pay like two grand um, for like four months' work, and. I was also writing all my own rendering like, output stuff because <laughs> I was like, the crazy, only way to man. justify a project like that, which has no money, is to get something out of it for me. And for me at the time, it was like, okay, I'm learning programming. This is fun. But, but I swear, like, um, before all that as well, you'd done a stop motion project. Because when I first met you, you hadn't oh, yeah. done uh, the NFTS. Yeah. And you just finished the stop motion So film. at the NFTS, I'd done a stop motion title sequence for the Royal Institution Christmas yeah, Lectures, yeah, yeah. which... He was using this motion control rig that I'd built out of wood. <laughs> <laughs> out of wood and motors, and uh, not wooden motors, wood and motors. So it was like this track that was made of this industrial track. That's what, if you ever and start a company, it should be called Wood and Motors. Wood and Motors. motors. <laughs> wood and motors. Um, yeah, it was made out of kind of like this wooden frame and kind of motors and stuff like that. And this was another one of those things where I was just like, I'm just going to try and do something. So I, I told this company I could do stop motion, <laughs> I couldn't do stop motion, and I just. Uh, I swear there's a bit on every single one of these podcasts where somebody was like, yeah, I told somebody I could do like robotics. Yeah, or, like, exactly. I told somebody I could build a bridge. That's, that's, that's enough. Cool. We wait for him to get onto his robot- robotics uh, chapter. Oh man, yeah, that comes yeah. beforehand. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so no, anyway, uh, so back to programming. I'd, so I've been doing this thing with Francois and he kind of just kind of pushed me and said, you can do this. And uh, along the way, he also, I think the bigger thing was that he just answered all my questions, which yeah. was amazing. And I was quite needy, I think, uh, in asking him a lot of questions. But um, uh, so I'd wrote this software called, I called it Maya Seed, which was kind of a rent, an exporter from Maya to Appleseed. So I had quite a lot of Python experience and stuff like that. Um, and so... I can't remember why we got into programming, but... I was asking you whether you felt you were, like, primarily a filmmaker or a programmer, mm. I guess. Okay. Right. How did you get into programming from film? So, yeah, so I got into it through through this exporter, and it was it was through Francois and him kind of pushing me to, to um, do it. Before... And, sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. And, and, and then from that, that meant that I, I just then spent a few years after that kind of doing uh, directing and VFX and stuff and working with Houdini, which, though I wasn't doing much programming, I, it was very much... 
the kind of thought processes that worked with programming and things like that. And then, which meant I was primed when I got to us two games to be like, okay, I'm going to make a game, and this time I will learn how to program. Um, you didn't know how to program. I, I, I wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't say I knew how to program. I would say that I knew the ideas about how to do it. But yeah. It's like you know, it's like I can read the Richard Williams book. And I know how to animate, but I don't know how to animate. Right, I understand. I haven't yeah, done yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah. so I was like, okay, I know the theory of what I'm about to get into, but doing it is a whole other question. Yeah. But then, sorry, going back to the stop motion thing, you had to program the, the motors to the Maya, right? Yeah, but it was uh, that, that was still copying and pasting. So in my head, I was taking code that other people had written and changing numbers or kind of changing the order in which it's Right, okay. But so. isn't that kind of all programming? It's like you're taking stuff no, that people yes have done and, no. and then figuring like out how to stick it all together. for doing that and stuff. Like, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, and a lot of it is. I mean, a lot of um, kind of you know, there's this joke that there's this website Stack Overflow where you kind of ask questions and people answer it online. And the people joke about how programming could just be renamed to Googling Stack Overflow because everything that you ever need to do is on there already. Uh, and in the first few years, it was, but like now in retrospect i barely look at docs um i you know i just write stuff and you know i sit and think about what i'm going to do and it like whereas at the time it was i have to find the thing to copy and paste and edit it right i, I have to find the thing to start from whereas now it's kind of from scratch writing kind it's of because you things. you understand, understand why all those things exactly and i've had the time to just meditate with them and lie in bed and be like oh okay i get it yeah you know have those shower moments about why those things exist um, i've been reading this richard Feynman book mm. recently and he's talking about like the difference between like understa- understanding stuff by rote and understanding stuff by really deeply yeah. understanding it and i think that that's you know that's the thing like you can copy and paste stuff yes. all day long but it doesn't mean you really know what you're talking about i think i i i really I don't speak any other languages, like human languages, <laughs> but it's funny because I really do credit learning to program with changing the way I think about the world and things like that. Mm, it's really? like, you know, you know, Arrival, the movie, yeah, where yeah. it's like, oh, there's this new language and it's made me think about world, the kind of world that transcends time and space and stuff. It, you know, in a way, that's all hyperbole, but it also, like, I see, there's there's just stuff there's, there's like having a language to to describe logic and to describe flow and functionality and things like that has changed the way I, I look at things and also having a language which talks about how simple things can turn into complex things mm. means that you know seeing a skyscraper I don't go that's impossible I can't imagine how you would build that or you know those kind of things I go I can imagine how you do it I can't do it but i can imagine how it'd be done so right. it kind of it unlocks a lot of the complexity in the world oh. do you know what i always like really appreciated about talking uh, to you was that you, it felt like you were really good at articulating <laughs> complex things mm. uh like you know like there's lots of people i know who can, who can program there's lots of people who can like copy and paste bits bits and pieces of javascript together or whatever but you were always able to put it in like a broader context and explain it very simply in the same way that people like you know richard Feynman like, like, yeah, i think it comes from being a jack of all trades where, where when i was younger i was really really like i was like you're not a jack of all well, trades. well but, but when i was younger i i was I, I was really fearful of being a jack of all trades where i was i was kind of like i need to specialize quick otherwise i'm going to become one of these guys who just doesn't know any one particular thing well i just do lots of things okay and i think i've learned 
I found my place in that because partly I just don't have the kind of self-discipline to not want to do lots of different things mm. but also learning the value in understanding all these different things and using that so you can shift gears to talk to different people and go okay well you're not getting this from this route maybe i'll take a more technical route maybe i'll take something which is more about storytelling maybe i'll take whatever it is that that kind of you're trying to kind of impart to whoever you're working with and having those different things i've kind of decided that that's one of the things i want to try and get good at I, I I was lucky enough to be part of like the first class of your uh, coding uh, <laughs> your coding school that you were going to start. Oh what? shit! When yeah, <laughs> and John oh, came. Yeah, John, John came yeah, to yeah, the yeah. studio and like sat down with me for like yeah, yeah. two hours and showed me a whole load of coding stuff, and it all made sense while he was sat there next to me. <laughs> while I sat there, yeah, and um, I made this amazing program, and then I never. It's funny, uh, I. That's that's one of those things. I need an accountability buddy for that kind of thing. I need you need a what? An accountability buddy who chases me up and says, "I'll continue right. to do those things yeah. because I, I'm, I love doing those. Like I, I get so much out of doing. I've recorded that it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I put it up. Honestly, like that. It's, it's that two hours that you spent talking to me, like understand understood mm. so much more about programming than I've ever understood. Mm. Like before. I enjoy doing that stuff because I, I. I've got relatively good at hearing myself talking and going mm. like, oh, I'm making no sense right now. Mm. And it's a really good way of getting better at talking to people is trying mm. to just kind of like show people things and teach people things. But I think that there's probably different people who would experience it in different ways. Like, I'm sure there's some people who just like, tell me the fucking buttons to push yeah. and I'll do it and then it's done. Like, like I'm, I'm that like annoying prick who wants to know why you do yes. all the yeah, different yeah, yeah, things yeah. and like you explaining Tell everything and like, a, you know, like zooming out to the fucking globe and then like coming back in, mm. you know, is so interesting to hear like why everything is. I was the is. same when, when my uncle, my uncle who was a programmer, but I didn't kind of see that much. Um, I was 13 maybe at the time. Um, and he, I had this kind of rare moment where I got to sit with him and just ask him nerdy questions. And at the time, I was really bothered with programming by the fact that I, I understood that you could write code, which would then kind of make stuff happen, which was kind of good enough for me. But I didn't understand how you could make electricity make decisions. And I got him to explain, explain to me how a logic gate worked. So how kind of you could take a transistor or six transistors and make it do, you know, two, turn two wires on and only one of them goes, one of the outputs goes on or whatever. That's not programming, though, right? So it's, it's not programming, but what bothered me at the time was that um, to, to, to make the leap from electricity to writing words annoyed the hell out of me because no one had explained to the bit where you could turn electricity, which is kind of, in my head, rivers of kind of flowing things, how to turn those into making decisions. And so he said, well, if you make this one and you make this one, then you can combine these two together and then you can do this. And, da, da, da. and he explained to me from the kind of electricity up how to make a couple of simple things and then said, and if you make a few million of those on top of each other, then you get to this. And I was like, okay, now I can, I can, I can accept that there's complexity in between, but those com all that complexity is, is repetition of the previous things you've already learned and you can out of it, you can get these other things. And for me to hear that there was a can like, it wasn't just that stuff was invented in the seventies, accept it. It was, this is how it works and then lots of things in the middle will happen and you can understand each mm. one of these individually and, and it's about understanding it. the history of like what yeah. decisions were made over the years that yeah, yeah, have resulted yeah. in this state that we're currently and I, in and I'm, 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 I'm totally transfixed by 
reading those histories. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm useless at reading fiction. It's a, like, it, it depresses me no end. But I'm fantastic at reading things where I understand the history of who people were. And it's, mm. it's mainly because of understanding, like, in my head, those people are kind of, they're real, they existed. I can, I can see the pictures of them in my face and I can understand my face in my mind but i can i can understand i can see those those people and they kind of they 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 stick and mm. then i can understand how they relate and how they kind of and it, and it makes yeah. abstract concepts more relatable if yes. you can tie totally. them to people and, and, that, and getting back to what sam was saying that, that's what you're i think you're very good at like i remember talking to someone who's a coder who we used to work with and he was explaining like how just most code for computers is just zeros and ones mm. and he was like talking to me and this woman about it and he was like explaining it to us and I was like kind of interested but I couldn't follow him and the, the woman just sort of went we're in a pub and she just sort of went mm, and just turned to the time and just started another conversation with somebody else like there's it's, you and you can you can tell that in an interesting way and I think that's yeah, what you're no, capable of I think of, you can you know? and I mean I think part of it is just how enthusiastic you're about it like the moment I understood how to understand binary counting, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. This has changed everything. Um, but if someone describes it to you and just goes, oh yeah, well, obviously you do this, then it's mm. just like, of course mm. you're not going to care about it. Mm. But it, it like, the way it makes you think about language, the way it makes you think about logic, all those kind of things, they're, they're really cool things to learn because mm. we live in a world which is super complex. Mm. Um, and there's tons of examples of how you can relate those to your actual life. Yeah. Yeah. No one ever bothers. Yeah. Would you ever think about running for prime minister? <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, w- w- would you ever think about um, doing uh, teaching in any yeah. sort of like, yeah? I, I, yeah, definitely. I mean, what would you teach? Because you do fucking everything. Um, I bet we can name a couple of things that John doesn't do. Yeah. Go on, um, on. Well, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> Feel emotions. <laughs> Quickly, <laughs> hang out with us regularly. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> um, no, I would. Um, I've been. I, I, yeah, it's funny. I just recently, as I was reaching out to a, a few kind of my old tutors and things like that, saying I'd love to come and teach at a bunch of animation places, filmmaking places, um, games places. Mm. Uh, and anywhere really that's kind of interesting in the field I'm into, but mainly because. I feel like there is just kind of a language that I don't think I heard, like the way of speaking about the things that I do now that I don't mm. think I heard when I was doing things that I think would have been really cool to hear. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and th- that's, that's a stochastic thing where, you know, you can't be the one voice that everyone hears, but I could be one of them that might pick up a few of the people who would be into that. Mm. Um, was that at um, Farnham or was that an NFTS? Um, I, I, I reached out to a bunch of the places that I, I went to. So I, um, I was talking to Robert Bradbrook of the NFTS. Um, and when the kind of uh, September rolls around, I'll speak to a bunch of other people. Did they get back to you? Were they interested? Um, yeah, there's there's some people who are interested. So I, I, That's great, man. Yeah, it, it's, it's really nice. And it's... I just... Like I, I feel like I want to go to talk to people about how, um, like I feel like you get in my experience. I got tutors who are like, "The world is hard, man. Like this is this is going to be difficult. It's going to be an oh, uphill struggle the whole people, way." And you get the other ones who are like, "Like anything is possible." Mm-hmm. I, like I want to go in and be like, 
there is it's hard but it's possible yeah <laughs> no but it's, but it's there, true, there, right? there's something yeah. in between where it's like it, it there's this weird dichotomy where it is really hard but at the same time there are very few people who get that yeah um, like and it's it's very difficult to find someone who crosses boundaries and you know it's very like if i went into uh, an animation school um and said to someone like me like there is a lot of room for someone who understands animation but is interested in technology mm. because mm. that 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 kind of cross section of interests means that you're going to understand how games works like max yeah yeah, like, yeah. um or to go to a kind of like the lead programmer on monument valley 2 um manesh uh he's amazing and he what's his full name manesh mystery um, Maness Mystery. I know, right? Is that his actual second his actual name? Fucking hell, man! I know, right? Why don't um, I have a cool name like that? I know it's amazing. Um, he um, he did a music degree, if I think really I remember correctly, um, and he worked in programming afterwards for a long time. But he, but because of that, it means that he gets pacing. He gets he gets storytelling. He mm. gets the i like he do, he thinks about programming and systems, mm. but he also thinks about the fact that you're just displaying things one yeah. after another flow and so, narrative yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff and it's and it's and it's, it's those things which are so hard to kind of to find like i was looking for portfolios for artists the other day mm. and it's really interesting because there's a lot of people who are like would ace the disney exam they are just amazing mm. kind of concept artists if you want that thing but you can you just know that if you're like okay we've got this kind of odd way that we're doing this thing because reasons they would go I don't know, that doesn't fit into my model of how things are. Do you think that there's more potential to get more interesting looking stuff through in games rather than, for example, feature films? Because there are, especially if you're doing an independent game like Trickshot, there's less gatekeepers and it's more direct to consumer. There probably is, but I think that there's even more opportunity in apps because most apps are kind of pretty gamified and people like... Like I was saying earlier on, so you're talking about apps as a separate thing from what games. What people call apps, yes, right, but, okay. but but because I think because I see apps and go, these are all totally gamified. I really like that because I think the vocabulary that's coming out of Instagram is awesome. Like I'm really excited about the idea of making a game that borrows from some of the ways of interacting. Like, really? Yeah. Like like you know when when iOS came out and you tap on something and you know. <clears throat> Uh, you know, when you're tapping on the keyboard and the, the letter hovers above your finger and stuff, mm. that's a that's an interaction that I'd not seen because I'd never had to touch a screen before. Mm. But but for the like you know past six or seven years, there's there's like the way in UI interact with you is is not really kind of thought about that in the same way that kind of apps have. And so now the apps and kind of media and you know Snapchat stories or things mm. like that are kind of. I'm kind of verging on gamey and are non-linear and things like that that's really cool and i think that's kind of exciting because it having a different name for it gives you permissions to not make games yeah i think i think something like snapchat is so like you could you could you could have like a, a gaming part of snapchat mm. that was almost not too far from filters mm that wouldn't feel like out of place in yeah, Snapchat exactly, because it, exactly. it, it kind of feels like Snapchat is like they've broken the paradigm already. Every time I use Snapchat, which is not very often, but like <laughs> uh, I go on and I'm like, I swipe left, I swipe right. And I don't know what to expect. And like when a new screen comes up, I'm just like, 
jab at some shit and yeah. it does you know instagram there's like a way that you work with yeah. it and you figure that out straight away something like snapchat is like every single did you ever swipe use is different. when that was around it was it, it was somewhere between instagram and um tumblr and yeah it, it was really interesting because it um it was kind of an uh, like most of the app it was really interesting because it was, most of the app was a kind of an interface to create stories in the way that Instagram is now. But it kind of served things up in quite a blog-like way. But it kind of gave you all the free graphic design that came with um, uh, Instagram, but in a kind of Tumblr-ish way. But what was nice was what it was, was it was an app designed for creating a little story that you kind of put together and you'd be able to make a square image and then a, you know, a triangle image and then like some text and then blah, 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 blah. But I really liked that. And they, they never found a way to kind of monetize it and turn it into something. But I liked that because what it was was a, a kind of, it was a storytelling app which didn't have the social tag on it. And because it didn't have the social tag, no one kind of used it or anything like that. But I like that as a, I always enjoy that as a paradigm because it kind of, it felt like it was something which was very native to mobile phones. It felt like something which was like extensible. You could add some interactability. You could add some non-linearity to it and things. Mm. So, I don't know. I feel like there's there's room for that, and I feel like apps and what people call apps gives them the permission to kind of go down that route. It's interesting that Apple have now they've like separated the App Store into games mm. and apps, right? Yeah, and yeah, it's funny. Having said all that, I think that's, at the moment, a pretty good thing. Yeah. Um, Is I, it because games are so so much of, it's such a big part of, of what I think people so. are getting I on think the App Store? I think a huge portion of the App Store kind of revenue comes from games. And I think it's kind of good to kind of call that out and just separate that. Because, you know, in a UI perspective, it takes three clicks to get to games. Mm. Which is like, especially when the app store is used to be a bit slow, mm. that's a bit a bit shonky. Um, but you know, in in the in my ideal world, there wouldn't be a definition, and it would just right. be all uh, you know entertainment, and ninety percent of the apps would go in the utilities huh. like category because most of them kind of in, in mm. on my phone do. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, it's a good 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 question. Or a good, good kind of observation. It's true. Like on but, one, like I'm arguing for you know apps and apps and games kind of go in hand in hand, and yet the games thing is is this new separation, which probably for monetization is a good thing, but mm. maybe for siloing I, what games are is not. Such a I good think thing. for consumers, from from purely a consumer point of view, it's nice to just sort of you go in with a very mm. usually go to the app store with a very distinct sense of what you want. Whether yeah. you want a you want you want a download a thing to like write a document on or whether you're just like sort of browsing or whatever you kind of know you're like on a game or on an app i think it makes a lot of sense but like how much do you know about i mean apple is like a notoriously kind of secretive organization and it, it is so it must be so weird to be like somebody who's producing games or apps or any kind of software on the app store and and just be at the whim of this kind of juggernaut that yeah. you don't have any kind of control over and 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 it's controlled by individuals you know right mm. whereas something like you know google they could just oh, always again as an algorithm you know yeah, your yeah. stuff's like filtered to the top and that's why it's doing yeah. well or you know people aren't looking at stuff that's why it's at the bottom like i think how much do you know about the app store and the curators and stuff all that kind of stuff uh, 
until now, very little. Um, interestingly, you know, a big part of the iOS 11 kind of announcement, I think, was them saying, okay, now we're going to have daily updates on the App Store and things like that. Because so far, we every Thursday, the App Store gets updated and new apps come out and there's a new editor's choice and blah, 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 blah. And reading between the lines, I think what's happening now is they're kind of they're putting more emphasis on editorial and creating kind of a culture around um, or a critical discourse around what they're making and giving people more stories around the kind of the things they're making. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't stop the fact that ninety percent, well, no, 90, whatever the percentage is, a high percentage of games or revenue comes from iOS. Um which is always a problem to have a monopoly like that. Um, but at the same time, I, I think they're treating it with respect currently. You know, who knows what's happening in the future, but currently I think that they're kind of... They're, they're, it seems like the kind of noises they're making is that they're trying to make kind of an interesting discourse around the products they're making. Mm. Um, yeah. it, it does seem really interesting to me, like, about how, like, Silicon Valley's... Uh, s- like in so many ways pushing towards removing people's jobs you know everything should be automated and everything should be Mm. filtered by machines and everything whereas apple seems to be going in the other direction towards yeah it's funny isn't it i I was i was thinking apple stores the amount of people that must be working there like you know people daily updates on the on the app store that's well there's there's no way they can do that without having a huge editorial staff Mm. which is kind of kind of great and it's really interesting seeing that they're they're um, their strategy now is, you know, Google owns all your data and Apple um, protects all your data is what they're going for. Whether that's true or not, you'll never know. But It's um, not true. <laughs> but it's, um, but that's, that's what they're going for and they're going for, you know, making things personal, which makes sense kind of in, in mm-hmm. the ecosystem where they're making products which are all under one roof and they're all making software which is under the same roof as the things as the hardware um so it's interesting seeing how that translates into you know putting a huge emphasis on um uh kind of human curation i guess which kind of in my eyes was started by netflix because mm. they you know they have a lot of human human curated but isn't netflix all about like tailoring things to the individual like based uh, well, on i mean algorithms? this is the, i mean i'm reading you know ha- from reading hacker news right okay what i get is the impression that they kind of they have a lot of data and a lot of algorithms and stuff, but the people who like a lot of the uh, playlists are made by humans. Right. And there's, I think, there's a point at which someone said, you know what, like for kind of recycling what people like and making sure that people always have something they're interested in, you can do that with with AI and things. But for predicting things, it's a little bit more nuanced. Mm. You know, maybe that'll change. Maybe maybe AI will go some other place. But uh, for now, I think having kind of humans do that, it's, it's, is kind of what people are doing. And I think it's also a good sales pitch too. Like who wants, like it sounds good. Do you know what's interesting about that? It's kind of, I kind of feel like over the last few years, so much of... The way we consume entertainment is is coming through like apps like Spotify, mm. Netflix, the App Store, or whatever. And the curation side of things has gotten much better. Yeah. Like uh, Spotify playlists are amazing. Spotify's, yeah, yeah, yeah. When when an album ends and it just goes off into kind of mystery yeah. music, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, discover tons more stuff through yeah. through Spotify with Netflix, Spotify, 
Uh, and app stores so much of the time I have no idea whether I'm seeing that kind of stuff because of a person or because of a computer and but you can follow people's stuff like you you can can, as well you can create like a playlist on you can subscribe some they should do that on Netflix actually I follow someone have you seen that there's the new Netflix interactive story that's coming out soon they've announced they're doing a choose your own adventure style TV show where at the end of every episode you can be like I want him to die and no, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and they just film every that. option, which is pretty nuts. Mm. I'm curious. Like, it's a very you know, from this point of view of someone who wants to kind of uh, see a less defined line between all the different things that are going on. That sounds exciting. Whether I don't know if it will work, I can't imagine it would. But there's probably someone more intelligent than me making it, so I should be. I sort of feel like the more you know, as an when you watch a film, part of the fun the fun of it or even a game for that matter is that you go I want that person to die or I don't want that person to die and then, and then something else happens and then they die or they I don't mean, die you know what I mean like sure you're, you're, I mean that, that is definitely part manipulation, of the fun of right? a film but a different film part of the fun is choosing but when have you ever had that well exactly not until now not like you used to read those like annoying adventure books that were useless. But this one maybe is different. Maybe because they've changed the medium, it's there's something kind of interesting that will happen. I, I, I kind of, I, I'm very happy they're doing the experiment. Yeah. But I'm not sure it'll work, but I'm very happy that they're trying, they're it. trying it out because, I don't know, I think that's, it's, a, it's, it's nice, you know, I mean, I guess they're only doing it because they've got a crazy market capitalization. It, sound, it, it sounds like something like, do you remember CDI? CDI? CDI was, was that like, like the interactive CD format? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. was it? It was like Philips. Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. like one of the first oh, like CD yeah, yeah, consoles yeah. Uh, by Philips. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and you you were basically just watching videos and you'd like press a button and somebody'd walk to the left and yeah, then walk yeah. to the right or whatever. And like the level of interaction was choose your own adventure, yeah. but the graphics were so good that you yeah, like yeah, kind yeah. of carried. But then you get that kind of in like Big Brother and all these reality shows where you sort of choose who stays and who doesn't. That's a that's a good example though, isn't it? Because that's a game like you're voting to see what happens next you're like it's just slow motion pressing x on your controller that you kind of like you're pressing a little bit of x and seeing who like how many people press x with you because it's real and because it's live you put up with less kind of fun Mm. interaction like in the same way that improvisational comedy you know if you weren't there in the moment it might not be exactly i don't know how i feel about it i suppose you've got to see it first but wouldn't it like announced loads of spoilers like wasn't what was so good about like you know game of thrones and you know the wire and all these yeah. shows is that like stuff just happened and you were like what the fuck i cannot i guess believe. so but like there's there's you get if they were like this guy's gonna die like but like so so i don't know you're watching some murder mystery thing and then you say i vote that so-and-so killed so-and-so then you get to watch how they did it. Then you get to watch like how they felt about it. Maybe they were distraught. Like there's a whole bunch of extra stuff that like, or they, or you say, I want this person to have done the murder. And then you feel really bad for having made this person murder the person. And like, there's a whole bunch of weird extra side effects that you get out of it, which yeah. are not what you get from. There's like a layer of stuff you'd be able to control. Yeah, and then yeah, a bunch yeah. of stuff. That Getting back to like Metal Gear Solid, the first Metal Gear Solid, right? was the first time first time I'd ever played a game where I was like oh Thought my god PlayStation I'm, one. Yeah, yeah I'm devastated that someone lost their life and I had the decision to do it it's when Meryl there's a oh, yeah, thing yeah, where yeah. you can button bash yeah, yeah 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 and I hate the button bash and I was like no, oh, I don't no, give no. a shit about this guy it's a computer game if I can get past the level I don't, I don't give a shit about this and then it finishes yeah. you're like oh my god I give a shit yeah there's a bit where like <laughs> you where they 
where you can nearly save her and it's the mm. fact that you never button bash that she dies mm. and I remember just being like no what who have am I, I? What have I and yeah, from yeah, then yeah. onwards you, yeah, you feel like that extra 10% in yeah I suppose that's interesting if you sort of someone did die in like if you voted on someone to die and that's then the, thing the, you can the episode play on before they die stuff, yeah. yeah the episode before they die they do something wicked I, I really and then like, you feel guilty about it, when it like happens. using that example of you know the, the murderers blah 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 I always I, I love using horror and the, and thriller kind of genre as a, an example because I, I I hated horror stuff as a kid but I kind of I see it as the kind of boiled down version of most narratives now because you know that that the kind of the mystery the suspense and those kind of things you, you kind of drag them out or kind of change them slightly and you get something like mad men which is halfway between horror and drama and then you kind of go all abstract and you get the flintstones or something mm. but there's there's something uh about horror which kind of i, I feel like is the kind of highest or, or the kind of the simplest form of all of that drama which yeah. i really like using example anyway so you should tell us about working in this robotics company that you worked at. Okay, so I um, <laughs> oh, it's it's hard to kind of tell out of context. So I, when I was, I don't know, seventeen or something, I was interested in doing film stuff, mm. but I was too scared to go to college and do film as a thing because it don't it felt like a big decision. So I spent a couple of years while everyone else was doing foundation years, um, doing, or just working um and volunteering on kind of films and stuff like that and this was Cornwall so there was very little going on mm. um so I just volunteer on kind of any local film project and things like that and on one of them there was a guy working um doing some visual effects and he um was just kind of doing them as a favor because he happened to know how to do it but he wasn't a visual effects guy at the time and he said hey why don't you come and work for our company because he saw a young kid who was kind of enthusiastic um, and he's like, why don't you come work for our company? We kind of we do exhibition design and things like that for, at the time, the Eden Project. The Eden Project. Yeah, do you know really? the Eden Project? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the garden in kind of in Cornwall. Yeah. Um, and so they were doing all the exhibition center stuff, and so mm. that was kind of a mixture of kind of engineering and stuff like that. And one of the exhibits that they were designing was the mechanical theater, which was kind of like a bunch of robots that were dangling from the ceiling and would kind of like. Uh, move along some tracks and kind of gesticulate and act as kind of the audio was being played and things. And um, so, so it's like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, exactly. It was, it was a lot like that. And um, and so when I got there, he was uh, he was like, okay, great. So um, we'd like you to drive the van. We'd like you to do some kind of simple stuff like that. But I was only seventeen or eighteen at the time, and I was too young to get the insurance. Uh, or to get the low insurance premium um, on the van. So he said, oh, we've kind of already signed the contract and you're working here now, so I guess you're not driving the van. Can you do some CAD stuff or some kind of 3D stuff? And I was like, I can try. So I started doing some um, like robotic stuff, um, kind of just trying it out and seeing how it worked and doing some stuff on that. So um, for a couple of years between wanting to be a filmmaker and then later on being an animator or going to college to do animation, I was doing kind of robotics and kind of CAD design. And what, and what were you doing? You were designing the actual shape of the robot. So, I mean, it was it was a mixture, a real mixture. So one of the projects we did was we took some old London cabs and we put Boy Racer kind of hydraulic kits on them and then rear-projected video onto the insides of the, the kind of the windscreen on the, cam, the, the cab. So the 
kind of punters would get in the back and they would watch a movie on the windscreen of the kind of cab and then the boy racer kit would bounce around as if you were kind of bouncing as right. this car was kind of yeah. swerving around corners and then some of the things just like did, a flight simulator or something. kind of like a flight simulator but weird and cornish um, <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah um and then we did some exhibition design stuff and then yeah then one of the things was these robots and so i kind of was designing the kind of the the arms at the time was like mm. how the kind of arms were put together and it was all kind of folded aluminium and kind of so that was an engineering thing that you were doing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and did you have any kind of training in that or no <laughs> no it was it was all, all on the job and and will jackson who uh runs it and still runs it um, and has turned it into this amazing What's the robotics name of the company? company. They're called Engineered Arts, um, and they kind of one of their main products is this thing called Robo Thespian, which is kind of a robot that a lot of science museums buy, and it does um, kind of it, you know you, you put it in the room and it will kind of uh, register when people are walking past and talk to them and say stuff. And there's a bit of AI built in and stuff, and it's really amazing. Um, but at the time, they were just kind of like playing back films, but with robots at the time. And uh, yeah, and I was designing their limbs and kind Didn't of. Didn't you do like some face like stuff for the? Their, um, yeah, I did. Some, uh, Will did uh, kind of a system where there was a projector inside these kind of plastic yeah. shell faces, and you had to project animations onto the face. Wasn't that so when was we? All, I think like what we haven't addressed yet is that John. We we, we all share the studios space together, yeah. right? Oh yes, yeah, and yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> you were nearly in the line and was like maybe for a week and then was like no I don't want to be in the well, it was, line it was, it was a couple of months and, but I, and I was like you guys all like have this hive mind where you all yeah. get each other and I was yeah. like I don't know if I get this I don't know if I understand how this works I've got this great idea for a game and I don't want to no, show it no it wasn't it definitely wasn't that at the time I had an idea for a game at the time and it was useless but, but I was um, also just wanting to but I'm sure you were doing it when we were in Nettle House I'm sure you were doing yeah, some yeah I was like doing some kind of design. reprojection face, yeah, yeah. face stuff for them um and they were really cool because I kind of did this work for them before college, but even during college, I would come back during the summers and kind of do bits and pieces working for them and stuff. And so they were cool because they were doing robotics and they were doing embedded programming and stuff. And, you know, they would write the code and not only run it on their PC, but then they would flash it onto kind of a chip that they would solder onto a circuit board they designed and do all this kind of stuff. And, all, you know, so, you know... Even though I couldn't do it, I at least was like, well, it's doable by humans. Mm. So it was good to see that. Um, but yeah, toward the end of working there, one of the things I was doing was it was actually on this, this uh, the cab thing where there was rear projections onto the kind of the uh, windshield was I was doing the animations that went on the windshield. And I mean, I've got them on my PC. Really? They are, they are shocking. <laughs> they are so, <laughs> they oh, are so really? horrific. Really? But, um, I was like, well, this is this is animation. This is like filmmaking. Yeah. But I don't have to kind of manage a crew of people, mm. which I was uh, even at the time I was kind of worried about my abilities as a social being and mm. kind of being able to manage kind of working with lots of people. So I was like, well, maybe maybe animation is a bit like filmmaking, but with fewer people. And um, so I went to a Farnham based on that, yeah. and then kind of went from there. So that was kind of what kind of got, gave me the idea of animation. Yeah. Um, was this weird robotics job and did you did you learn much about programming doing that no I, 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 I learned what it could do mm. um, and so later on you know when Tim was talking about that uh, motion control job I did mm. that was not because I knew how to program or anything else but it was because I knew that it was possible to do because right. I'd done this job beforehand where these other guys were doing motion control and I was like well if they can do it I can do it I'll work mm. it out mm. um, 
so yeah, that was that was a weird, yeah, weird time. And with the programming stuff, like, do you were you were you like a person who was were you interested? There must have been something like there must have been something that you were interested before interested in before you got into programming. Like, were you good with spreadsheets? Were you like? Oh no, no. That's that's the thing is I was never good with databases. And stuff. I remember right. there was I was at school and there was um, there was a girl who did IT. And I didn't do IT, I did arts, I did um, graphics, I did all of the kind of um, vocational type things. And there was a one girl who was doing programming, um, or not programming, they were doing like IT at the time, and she had like, I made a database, and this database could be sold for £200 because it's really cool. Um, and I was like, I, I honestly don't understand how this works, I, I can't figure it out, and this was GCSE level. So even at that point, I was like, this isn't for me, this is, this is something for other people. And do you think that there is that thing of like, there's certain people who are never going to be able to be a programmer or is there like certain people who are more I think if you're interested in something then it's pointless trying to resist it mm. is what I for me anyway was the case but if you're not interested in it then yeah that, that, if, if you're interested in it even if you're bad at it you're going to get good at it eventually um, or at least find your perspective on it like with programming for me I was interested in it but not good at it and, it, and I kept butting my head against it like mm. once a year until you know someone was in the right place at the right time to kind of help me out and how important do you think it was that you understood programming to the job that you were doing on monument valley too it's definitely not necessary um it's not no 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 no. i think i mean uh, like you know i i know more about programming than ken does for example really Yeah, yeah 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 um and you know i could probably fit I could probably just drop straight into a kind of uh, kind of medium level programming job. I think, that, I think that that's an invitation for Ken Wong to comment under this yeah, uh, no. podcast. <laughs> if you're listening on SoundCloud. That moment, that moment when I wish Ken I said something else on the earlier podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but it's, it's you know, I definitely kind of, um, for me it's really important, but only because of the particular mix of things that I kind of hold dear to the what I make. Mm. And it, it kind of it influences the kind of creative decisions I make as well. But there are other yeah. people who might just have kind of higher stats in other levels, you know, better design, better, better you know storytelling. What? But it's, uh, Sam was uh, mentioned in script notes before, and he sent me a podcast with a guy talking about Mission Impossible. And one of the main things they were talking about is like the fact that the guy directing it can't, I can't drink anymore, I want to be fucking shit faced. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll put it in my glass. <laughs> put it in my glass, put it in my belly. Yeah. Put it in my head. Um, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so hammered. Um, yeah, there's this guy who... <laughs> he's now directing Mission Impossible, but he was a writer and he originally got brought in on the earlier films to like come in and mm. script edit. And it's like he go. he was saying, I know how to direct the film better because I know if I like have a realistic expectation if I write this this is possible to get made mm. and it must be the same with coding Christopher McQuarrie is that the name of the guy yeah I think he did the last one as well oh really but, you know mm. if you if you have an idea of like what to do sometimes if you don't know how it's going to be made mm. it's a waste of it's a waste of time you know what I mean like it's yeah you're asking too much of your team or like you don't know what's realistic or manageable or for me, I, mean? I, I, I found that it's for me the only one thing I could fall back on 
or the only one kind of like general concept is you've got to be able to inspire confidence in whoever's working yeah, around yeah. you. Right. And if that confidence comes from the fact that you kind of have a good broad knowledge, mm. like, you know, people appreciate the fact that if you have, you know, if you're good at programming, then they go, okay, well, he's probably talking sense. So yeah. We'll trust him here. If, but if you're not good at programming, you better be able to back yourself up somewhere else. Yeah. Which is fine because most people can. Um, well, I just happen. I don't to know. Be, if that's true. Well, no. As in most, like, as in, in most people in that role can either back themselves up with, you know, a general level of skill in you know one area. How it's distributed is is kind of different per person. But you know, for me, I would say personally that I think kind of my programming and system stuff is kind of fairly on par with the kind of storytelling and art direction and. Uh, kind of business mindedness mm. I think they're all relatively even Yeah, but I think there are plenty of directors who are really high skilled in art direction and kind of um, storytelling but not so great in business and programming but that doesn't matter because they, they kind of they get they are so good at those other things whereas for me I kind of I rely a lot on the people around me because mm. I feel like I'm fairly even keeled and my personal feeling about like all my personal style is that I like to kind of delegate a lot of things and keep you know just be the kind of um, make sure that everyone is kind of singing the same song yeah rather than kind of like uh, being the kind of vision setter in every yeah. particular discipline how many people worked on Monument Valley 2 toward the end it was about 16 or 17 really 16 or 17 quite a lot yeah, of people yeah. and you and you were sort of in charge of yeah. of the whole team was that a lot of pressure because there was a long period it was, of time it was but it but it, it kind of the pressure grew slowly so i didn't feel like it mm. like if it was like here is 17 people go i would have just like melted and died but we started as five of my friends mm. and then grew to 17 of my friends um but there must have been a lot of pressure as well just in doing a follow-up yeah yeah, I mean, I would, I would credit us two games hugely for not putting that pressure on me. That's cool. Because, um, you know, that pressure could have been there, and I absolutely didn't feel it at all. That's why any time I ever hear that someone's doing a sequel to anything, I'm like, ooh, pressure. Like, I'm yeah, glad yeah, I'm yeah. not that person. Like, yeah. and I remember when I heard that you were doing uh, Monument Valley 2. Yeah, I was like, too, okay. like, I remember at the time being like, this is awesome. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's also like that, you know, difficult second album thing as well. Yeah. You know, it's easy and to do the first the whole, thing. For the whole company, you know, it's, it's certainly not me. It was everyone on there was, mm. you know, on it was the, the whole company, but the whole company the were relying on you. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. No, but it was either people who'd come into the team because they were new and they knew that they were coming after Monument yeah. Valley 1, or it was people who'd made Monument Valley 1 and were going, I hope this wasn't a. Um, you know, one hit wonder type thing. Um, but I think everybody, yeah, huge credit for everybody being very aware of the fact that, or, or at least very down to kind of earth about what they felt made the first game good, which was not worrying about that. Hmm. Um, and there's, it's, it's not that they were ignoring that because that would be commercially insane, hmm. but it was not worrying about that and not saying, okay, we're going to be bound by these things. It was just by going, okay, these things, ha- we did this to before, that's probably a good thing to kind of bear in mind as we're going forward. But we're also not going to plan for this being a huge success because that would be stupid and not going to put the pressure on people because we, you know, 
it's yeah. was there anyone from the first game who worked on the second game yeah. There was, yeah, yeah. Okay. there was there was there was a bunch. So um, David art directed this game. Mm-hmm. Who um, was I don't know what his title was in the first game. I don't even know if we had titles at the time. Um, but he was kind of one of the lead artists on the okay. first game. Um, and Manesh, who was the lead programmer on this one, who was Manesh Mystery, Manesh Mystery, um, <laughs> who was programmer on the first one. Um, Van Lee, um, okay. who was another programmer. Um, uh, Mike Anderson, who was QA, okay. um, so it had like a solid backbone of the first. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Peter Pashley, who was the kind of lead programmer in the first one, was also a kind of lead programmer of the kind of company. So mm. he didn't have a kind of super hands-on role, but he was in the company. And then Dan yeah. Gray, who was the producer on the first one, was executive producer right. and kind of studio lead on this next one. So there was a bunch of people who were working on it, but each person, no one was doing the same role that they did before. Right. And I, I certainly wasn't. Yeah. Um, so you went from like what modeler to director like nobody to something <laughs> yeah started from the bottom now you're here mm-hmm. um so what here recording a line, uh, podcast <laughs> yeah. with a line. drinking fairly good whiskey mm. um it's very nice so like, you've had such a varied i don't know like experience kind of getting to where you are now yeah. like what what's on the horizon for you man Oh, good question. I um, bear it in mind this podcast is going to go out in probably another year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, in a lot of ways, Monument Valley was like the biggest risk I could have taken. Mm-hmm. But in other ways, I was also kind of like in with a studio who were amazing and things like that. And so uh, going forward. I'm going to try and do more things or try and do things that are somewhere between Trickshot and Moyne Valley in that they are things which are kind of from ideas and thoughts that I have uh, and but also trying to be things that are kind of uh, generous to the kind of public and what they're making because Trickshot was was mainly an experiment and my yeah. valley was something where it's like okay, once we want to make something that people will enjoy, mm-hmm. and so making things that are in between, but then also going and making things that are kind of bearing in mind all the stuff that I was talking about about other apps and other yeah. games and kind of like what games might be. Yeah. Um, and there's is also that independent of the stuff you're talking about, or are you going to no, do? No, I, I mean this is. I think this is just going to go into whatever it is that I'm kind of working on next. Because I mean, yeah. I, at this point, there is like nothing planned right everything is kind of you know all whole life was consumed by monument valley mm. and now it's two and a half three weeks after release and uh i haven't made any plans right so um what comes next is a bit kind of uh, a bit of a mystery um but it's going to be based on uh, kind of all of these things and it's nice that you know mv did so well uh, ordered relatively well so it can afford some time to think because mm. I, I haven't thought for, for, for ages yeah yeah um, or not seriously about kind of how how to actually kind of spend time so yeah it's important I find that when you get all consumed on a job it's sort of like you come out of it and you're like I just want to make my own stuff and then you're like well I haven't fucking lived I haven't been inspired yeah. by anything to, yeah, yeah. to come up with any ideas but it's Yes and no. Like, I don't know. I, I've I've got 
I don't know, the, the experiences I've had have not are not the kind of teenage experiences that I had kind of written in sketchbooks before. They're mm. kind of based on like dealing with large groups of people. They're, yeah. they're based on kind of like just the, the you know, having living just just kind of like slightly more adulty type things and um i'm really excited about the idea of those things because those things are significant to me right now yeah and you know the relationships that you make whilst working with your best friends and what it means to work with your best friends and those kind of things there's a whole bunch of stories that come out of that which i don't think uh lend themselves to necessarily the kind of games i've made before but they lend themselves to something else and so i'm kind of excited to kind of play with those things would you would you consider doing something way outside of games or you definitely yeah 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 definitely i I, i'm far too grass is greener Mm. about everything ever like if if in the same way that when games turned up in my life if something else that I was kind of interested in turned up, I, I'm sure mm. I would kind of jump just to kind of to see, because um, I'm lucky enough to have had those kind of things pay off in the past. Mm. That I think I'd want to kind of play more with those things. I remember when we interviewed Ken Wong. It, it was funny because I think we were we were trying to sort of impose these ideas of like who was the director, who mm. came up with the idea, like. Mm who invented monument valley who did the designs like and he was like yeah it was just kind of like everyone doing everything and like you know there was no hierarchy it was totally flat Mm. how did that carry over to monument valley 2 and did you change that dynamic in any way or was that exactly the same as it was in the first one because that was quite unusual i think right i think it it was and i totally real as well like the, the company i joined everyone had a voice which was roughly equal i think um and everyone had the opportunity and i think it was a big reason why i joined this company was because you know when i when i first joined i was like everyone was like yeah we all have a voice and we're all equal and flat hierarchy and And i was like bullshit that can't be real and a few months later i was like oh you know what maybe maybe this is a thing that is true does that work is that good well it it works with different types of types of team sizes with um, 15 people, not so much. With 20 mm. people, definitely not. Um, and so with, with three or four people, it's amazing. Mm. It's, like every, it's like we all share the same brain. With kind of seven or eight people, it's kind of starting to get a bit funky, but you can work it all out. And you can kind of, when their stuff goes wrong, you can go and get lunch and just like talk yeah. it over. With, with 15 or 20 people, not at all. Um, with 100 people, there's just like impossible. Okay. Um and so, um, I mean, I've learned a lot about that, but I, yeah, I mean, it's, there, there is definitely structure now, but the structure is, is less to do with hierarchy and a kind of pecking order and more to do with, I think everybody respects that there's a point at which decision needs, needs to get made and you just go, you know what, um, you make a decision because I, you know. It's not my, like, I can't. And so, um, yeah, once or twice we had to have to kind of defer to those kind of things. But it's very rare. But it's having it there is like this weird insurance policy that everyone has where we go, okay, we all talk to each other as if we're flat. Mm. But there is kind of, you know, you know, I'm the director, there is an art director or whatever. Mm. I mean, what I would say, though, is because that's the way the company was born, um, 
the company was born out of a completely flat team right. and things yeah. like that, I have never had a problem talking to my seniors or mm. my juniors or whatever mm. in a way and vice versa as if it were completely flat, mm. um, which is, I think, made a huge difference to kind of who we are because no one comes in, um, or well, no one, no one who is there and has worked there for a little while um, is scared to talk to each other and kind of reveal truths. How how fluid is that idea, and and how like uh, it takes composed is it? Like, is that something that the company directors have thought about, or is that something that's just it's natural? It worked, and they're not going to touch it. It works when you've got when, when you've got a few people. It just works because because humans. When you've got a bunch of people, it takes a person's like at least a person's full time job just to make sure everyone knows that they can talk to you but it seems like a, a company that scales up and down and there must be you know there's don't got, scale up and down you don't it, 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 it scaled up and they're all full-time employees oh okay so when you went to 17 people all those people previously worked in the company yeah. uh right. not previously they all joined for money valley and they stayed and then there's more staying how many there. people in the company i think it's i think in total there's about 20 really that's fucking small isn't it it's it's really small. you think about the work they're doing yeah 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 no, it's um, us two. It's twenty. No, us two games is 20. oh, us two games. So right. us two games is kind of a sister company to us two. Okay, kind of uh, like us two global. So there's there's us two has a company um, in uh, a kind of a studio in London, New York, Malmo, and Sydney. Really, um, and then they kind of us two games, which is another separate studio, which is we're in South London. And 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 how many people in total in us two? In total, yeah. I mean, us two London was at one point about 150, wow. maybe even okay. 200. Right. I can't remember. So there's, there's, you know, we're in in the hundreds for the whole company. And you're doing um, uh, like banking apps, and it's it's kind of a, a mixture of it's it's a product um, studio, digital product studio. So um, some stuff is own IP stuff. Some stuff is kind of working with clients. Some stuff is um, kind of service based stuff. Um, some stuff is interactive stuff. It's it's kind of a, a big mixture, but it's kind of like serving the people who want to make products which are based, you know, in the digital world, mm. which is kind of big, wide, and varied. Yeah, yeah. that's good taste. Tim's got his shirt off <laughs> <laughs> from like think, from maybe like half an hour into the podcast. <laughs> I think we should just stick around and see how much. No, I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm 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 hammered. Right. Uh, Cool. John, Jonathan Tox, do you have any questions for us? (laughs) (laughs) Before we wrap this up. (laughs) No, I think we should get some food. Yeah, Yeah, let's get food. Let's do that. It's been fun. Good job. That was fun. Thank you very much. Cheers, man. Thank you. Take care.